Father, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, Lord, we thank you for Dominic's baptism. We thank you for what it symbolizes that's taking place in his heart. We pray for his family, that Lord, you would guide them as they lead him. Help him to grow each day in his faith, and Lord, we pray the same for all of us. Deepen our faith, Lord, as, as the man cried out in the New Testament, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so, Lord, today we pray that you would teach us to trust you more, that, Lord, each and everything that we do would bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. It's in that name we pray. Amen. I guess it was, it was about a year ago, I got a text message early in the morning, and the message was from a number that I didn't recognize, and it said, are we still good for lunch today? I thought, who in the world is this? Any idea who you are? I hadn't made plans for any lunch appointment that day. I didn't have anything in my phone or my calendar. I didn't know who it was. And so I'm scrambling to try to figure out who in the world did I tell I'd have lunch with today. Because apparently they know. And apparently they know who I am. And they think I know who they are because they didn't give their name at the end of the text message. You know how that goes? Every once in a while you just sign your name just in case. And so I'm scrambling. I start searching back through my, my phone, my text messages, trying to find if I've arranged something, nothing there. And I go back through my calendar, and, and I, I, I didn't find anything. And I have to do a search for lunch, the word lunch in my email. Okay, And so it takes me back to about a month before. And, and finally, I search through and I see lunch with this particular person. It happened to be somebody who worked for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Now, they can't fire me, but they can sure make me kind of, you know, well, that guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. And so I scramble, and within about a half an hour, I text him back and say, yeah, absolutely, good to go for lunch today, no problem at all. Yeah. I didn't have a reminder. There's no more awkward feeling than something like that. Or, or getting a message... Uh, while you're still in bed and there's a breakfast meeting that you're supposed to have and the person says, hey, you on your way? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 just uh, traffic, you know. Uh, I mean, like Murray has traffic, you know. Nobody believes you at all. But, you know, if I don't put a reminder, if I don't, if I don't put it into my phone... And if it's not there, and if I don't have the reminder that pops up or that buzzes or dings or whatever or that shows up on my phone and my iPad and also on my computer, depending on where I am, if I don't have those, I'm going to forget. And, and I know that some of you on the way out the door at church, you talk to me for those 15 seconds, and you believe that I'm remembering every single thing you tell me. And folks, I'm just going to admit to you, I don't remember any of it. And I'm sorry, and I try real hard. But if I don't immediately write it down or put it in my phone or make a note of it, guess what? I'm getting old, and it just, there it goes. If you don't have a reminder, you're not going to remember. Forgetfulness Forgetting things or forgetting a meeting is usually kind of a minor issue. I was able to scramble that day. You know, you're able to kind of throw yourself together and still make it, you know, maybe 15 minutes late, but make it for that breakfast meeting. But there are often things that we forget that are far more important and for which we need reminders from, from God himself. And that's what we'll talk about this morning. We're, we're in a series 
that we began last week called Celebrate. And we're leading up to, it'll be an eight or nine week series, that we're leading up to our November 6th, 170th anniversary celebration as a church. And and I want you to invite some folks. We're going to treat it sort of like a homecoming. If you've got some people in your life, or maybe they're still around here, or they've moved somewhere else, but they once called Elm Grove home, we'd love for you to invite them. And we're going to have a big meal afterward, and we've got a special guest speaker coming in. And, and it's going to be a great day to commemorate uh, the, the history of our church. And I've told you before, and, and half joking and half not, some folks will say, well, 170 years, that's kind of weird. Don't you normally celebrate 150 and 175 and 200? We're going to celebrate 170 because why not? How many other churches around here can say they had a 170th anniversary celebration? Not many. And so we're going to celebrate, and we're going to eat lots of food, and then we'll go to sleep in our food comas afterward and all that stuff. It's going to be a great, great day, and this series is meant for us to lead up to that. So what we're looking at are all the Old Testament festivals. Now, if you read the Old Testament... You're going to come across some stuff that at first you're going to say, what on earth does that even mean? And some of those may include the Old Testament festival regulations. There was some stuff written in the Old Testament that God said you're to do this and this and this on such and such a day at such and such a time in such and such a month. And you, this is the way that you're going to go about it. And so that, that's what we're looking at. They were, they were, there were reminders over and over from God of how the people were to commemorate and celebrate who God was, what he did, and who the people were in relation to that. And so we're, we're in this series, we're, we're highlighting those things. Last week, we focused on the weekly Sabbath celebration. Now, the challenge was last week that you pick a day, a 24-hour period, and you take some Sabbath rest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands and admit who didn't do that, okay? Because I, I don't want to cause you now to have to confess you're lying, okay? Um, but I did get some emails and some messages from some folks who said, hey, I, 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 I gave it a shot. I attempted the idea of taking a break to pause and to, to just celebrate who God is and to stop stop and to rest and to, to worship and to celebrate. And it was really interesting to read some of those. And, and the, the theme that kept coming back over and over was I, I felt refreshed. It, it, was, it was unique. It was different. It was something that I needed. I, I felt refreshed. And, and so that was a very interesting thing. I hope that you'll take the opportunity. If you weren't here with us last week, we record all the sermons. If you want to go back and you want to listen to fully get what, what I was talking about, it's on our website, but I hope that you'll, you'll not take me up on that offer, but I hope you'll take God up on his offer of rest and restoration and refreshment that he just offers to you every single week. This, this week, today, we're going to look at, at a celebration that was not really obscure in the sense that it was unknown to the Israelites, but it's not one that's come down to us as a major, major festival. But the more that I studied it, the more that I thought this is, this is very, very interesting and I think very important to present to us. We're going to look at, at the Israelites' new moon festival. Now, if you don't know what the new moon is, it's when the moon disappears. And you can't see it. It should be there, but it's not there. And it's not covered by clouds. It's just obstructed because you can't see it in the shadows and so on from the earth and whatever. It, the sun's not shining on it right to reflect, and we don't see it. It occurs once a month, typically around the first of the month. And for the Israelites, the new moon festival... Uh, for all those back in the ancient Near East, it highlighted the beginning of a new month. And so that's what we're going we're gonna to look at. Now, 
For most people back during that time in what was known as the ancient Near East, and the Near East being sort of uh, the, the area around Jerusalem and so on, it, the, the new moon, every time there was a new moon, it was a time for celebration, it was a time for worship. Everybody could see that you know there's something different in the sky now because the moon is not there. It wasn't a little sliver of the moon. It wasn't a full moon. It was a new moon. Now, many people back then worshipped the moon. And you may know this from, from maybe history class long ago. You remember that people worshipped different kinds of things. They thought there was a moon god that controlled the, the moon. They thought that this moon god gave the moon the power to grow and to ripen their crops. And, and that the moon gave them some happiness. And so there were special offerings that were given to this moon god on each new moon. And so that was what was going on around the Israelites. Now for the Israelites themselves, the people of God, uh, this idea of celebrating this new moon was nothing new. It, it wasn't as if God said, this is going to be something that you alone will exclusively do. It wasn't like the Passover, uh, where, where the Israelites exclusively observed that idea. We'll look at that next week. This was something that everybody was accustomed to doing. And so God wasn't giving them, here's something different and new to do that nobody else is going to do. What he did instead was he said, look, here's where you are. You live amongst these people. They're already doing these things. Let me show you how to make this holy. Let me show you how you can celebrate in such a way that brings honor and glory to the name of God. Now, there's a great crossover there. You and I live amongst people who are already doing whatever they're doing. And yet God has a way for us. This isn't what the sermon's about specifically, but it's a good point. God has a way for us to live in and among the world in such a way that we still bring honor and glory to the name of God without completely removing ourselves and living in a Christian bubble. You understand what I'm saying? We have this mentality that either we're all in with the world or we have to be all in with Jesus, which means that being all in with Jesus, we live in a bubble. We're never touched by anything out in the world. In James chapter 1, the Bible tells us that pure and undefiled religion is to take care of the widows and orphans and to keep ourselves unstained by the world. But it doesn't mean that we don't have to live in this particular world. And so God was showing the Israelites, here's how you can live in this world, be unstained by it, and celebrate in a way that gives honor and glory to the name of God. And so that's what God did. In Numbers chapter 28, if you've got your Bible handy, why don't you turn there real quick. We're going to see the different sacrifices that God said, here's what you will do in order to celebrate this new moon festival. So each month they were to stop and they were to celebrate who God was, who they were in God, and what God had done. And so he gave them some regulations. Now some of this stuff won't, it won't mean anything to us other than we understand there were lots and lots of sacrifices, a hefty sacrifice here for these folks. Numbers chapter 28, look at verses 11 through 15. At the beginning of each of your months, present a burnt offering to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, all unblemished, with six quarts of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each bull, uh, uh, four quarts of flour mixed with, uh, with oil as a grain offering for the ram, and two quarts of fly, uh, fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each lamb. It is a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma, a fire offering to the Lord. Their drink offerings were to be two quarts of wine, with each bull and one quart, one third, one of the third quarts rather, with the ram and one quart with each male lamb. This is the monthly burnt offering for all the months of the year. And one male goat is to be offered as a sin offering to the Lord in addition to the regular burnt offerings with its drink offering. Now, those things are not what we do anymore. Okay, we, we understand that. We, we don't each month, we don't come at the new moon and we slaughter a bunch of animals and we burn some stuff and, and we, you know, we, that's not what we do. Okay, we live in an era, the New Testament era, the Jesus era, in which he was our burnt offering. 
If you understand. He was totally consumed. He was completely spent. He was totally given for, for, as our sacrifice. The idea here is that these offerings were given. They were costly. They were to be holistic. You burn the offering. That means nothing is left of it. And they're a symbol of absolute and complete devotion to the Lord. And so for the Israelites, those sacrifices were meant as a way to pay tribute to their creator and their sustainer, God himself. Now, there's some talk of new moon festivals elsewhere in the Old Testament. I'm not going to take the time to go and read these, but if you want to write down the reference, you can go back and study this a little bit more on your own. Maybe use this as some devotional reading this week. In Numbers chapter 10 and in Psalm chapter 81, there's talk about the new moon. And and they were to celebrate it with the blowing of ram's horn, the shofar. It was called a trumpet. Now, it's not the brass trumpet that we think of today that's going to play some really exciting sounds. It was a fairly monotone uh, ram's horn that they would blow on. But that was their symbol that we are celebrating. In 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, there, there's talk uh, between a husband and wife, and they, they are talking about how at the new moon time, it's typically when people go and they seek out a prophet to hear the word of God. And so you see some of the things. They were to celebrate with the blowing of the trumpet. They were to go seek out wisdom from God's anointed prophet. Isaiah chapter 66 and Ezekiel 46 called for the people to worship in the temple on the day of the new moon. So there's worship involved here. In 1 Samuel, uh, King Saul had a huge feast at the new moon celebration. So it's important occasion meant to be viewed as something solemn, but also meant to be viewed as something that had a very festive feel. And so at the beginning of every month... At the new moon, the first day of their month, while other nations practice their superstitious worship of the moon god and so on, trying to appease that moon god with offerings, the Israelites were reminded and they celebrated that they belonged to Yahweh, to God. Their offering wasn't aimed at appeasing God and, and satisfying his anger because he's always mad at them. It was a trip. It was, it was a way for them to celebrate God's ownership of them and his faithfulness toward them. And so the new moon is this marker of time every single month, noting when that new month began. It was a time when they gave sacrificially to the Lord. It was a time for them to look back on the previous month and look forward to the next month. And so for them, what it was supposed to be was this monthly celebration of God's faithfulness. And every month they would gather with their people and their family, and they, they, they would celebrate, and they would talk about what God had done. They would look back, they would look forward. It was a month of reminder that God has been faithful, that we are His people, and we belong to God. He's our God. And we live in this world, but we're not of it. And so we don't celebrate, we don't operate even in this world the way others do. It, they took time to celebrate and to remember that they were the people of God. Now, unfortunately, what it became, and, and I, I will read this to you because I think it's important. In Isaiah chapter 1... Verse 14 and 15, God is talking and he says this, I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. Now, God was the one who regulated all this stuff. He was the one who said, here's what you're to do. But he says, I hate all that. They have become a burden to me. I'm tired of putting up with them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. What it was meant to be was a celebration. And a heartfelt commemoration and sacrifice to the Lord in which they reiterated their devotion to Him every single month. And what it became was something that made God sick. Because it was obligatory. It was meaningless. It was offensive to God. Do you realize that that hasn't changed? That, that merely by going through the motions of spirituality 
And, and I, listen, I tell you this all the time. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I really mean that. I really am. It's always good to see you, and, I, and I'm grateful that, that you, and I, and I believe this is, is nearly unanimous. You come here expecting to hear something from God and interact with God's people and gain some love and so on. But for the person who's here out of mere obligation, for the person who's here just sort of going through the motions, and well, I guess this will make God happy, maybe I'll score some points with him, understand this, you've missed the point. I don't mean that as an insult. I don't mean that to insult your intelligence or your efforts or your motives. I just simply mean that you've missed the point. That's not what God is looking for from us. God didn't tell the Israelites, do these things so that I'll be fine and you can check off your boxes and now, well, okay, everything, just move on forward. What did he say? I hate your new moons and your prescribed festivals. They become a burden to me. I'm tired of putting up with them. Why? Because they were just another thing they did in their spiritual routine that meant nothing to them. I hope that church attendance, I hope that spending time in God's Word is more than just an obligation. I hope it's more than just, well, I guess i got to go again. You know, I don't know what God's going to think. You know, those people will ask me where I've been, so I guess I need... That's not the point. The point is, are you celebrating and do you come this morning to remember and celebrate who God is and who you are in Him? The Israelites tended to forget month to month that they belonged to God. That they were in this world but not of it. And so there were regular God-ordained reminders to keep them from just going through the motions of life. Now, there's nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere, where we are commanded to observe a day honoring the new moon. Okay, just so you know. I I cannot give you chapter and verse from the New Testament. Jesus did not come down and say, you must, on, on the first of every month, on the new moon, you must do this, 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 and this. There is no regulation given. In fact, if anything, all of that stuff has passed and gone with the coming of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the sacrificial system and the festival system in Jesus himself. Jesus didn't talk about it as far as we know. And although he was a good Jew and probably observed it, he didn't make a big deal out of this. The only point in the New Testament uh, that's made was from Paul, and, and he talked about how their observances of these festivals and so on become useless again. So how then... How do you look at Numbers chapter 28 when you read it, verses 11 through 15, this descriptive section of the Old Testament describing what was to happen? It's not prescriptive. You understand that some of the Bible is is prescriptive. Thus saith the Lord, do this, this, and this. And other times it's just descriptive. It tells us what happened. How do we look at that descriptive section of the Old Testament and then make it applicable to us? I mean, that's the question. Anytime I preach the Old Testament, anytime I look at an Old Testament passage, that's what I've got to figure out. Did Jesus say anything about this? Did the New Testament writers say anything about this? Is it reiterated? Is it, is it, is it confirmed in the, in the New Testament that this is still a command for Christians? And I can say with confidence, the New Moon celebration, the New Moon festival, is not a command for Christians. There's nothing that we absolutely have to do regarding the New Moon each month. Okay, so you're off the hook with trying to check off another box. I gave you last week. Pick a day. Okay, I guess you got to figure out when the new moon is. I don't even know what a new moon is. You know, I got to you know get the farmer's almanac. What do I do? This is not a command this morning from Jesus that says do this or do that. But I will say this: if you're like me and you're a normal person who just goes about your business every single day. It's often true, and I would imagine for you, because it is for me, it's often true that one day is indistinguishable from the next. One month just rolls right into the next. You realize that September 1st is this week. It's this week. Today is August 28th. I believe there are 31 days in August. 
And so after the 31st day, we roll over again to September 1st. Time goes flying by, doesn't it? Now we say that almost as a cliche, but I really believe it's true. I really believe that time does just continue to tick on and sometimes we just get caught up in it. And all of a sudden, my goodness, it's going to be September this week. Just last week, it was March, right? My high school or my college baseball coach, rather, every every year when we would gather for our, our first meeting as a team there in the locker room at Murray State, he would give us what we affectionately called, or maybe not so affectionately called, the five-minute speech. And it didn't last five minutes, but it was about the idea of five minutes. And he'd tell us, five minutes ago, you were playing Little League Baseball. Five minutes ago, you started high school. Five minutes ago, you were playing high school baseball, your last game. Five minutes from now, you'll graduate from college. Five minutes from then, you'll be getting married. Five minutes after that, you'll have kids. Five minutes after that, you'll be worn out because of the kids. Five minutes after that, and so on and so forth. He would give us the five-minute speech. But isn't it true that it just seems like five minutes and man, it's September already. Time goes flying by. And isn't it true that often we're just going through the motions of life? You ever felt like that? What in the world am I doing? (laughs) I mean, yeah, okay, I did this and did this and did this. But what am I doing? I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm doing what I got to do. Because why? Because I got to do it. How often do we say, well, it's just the same story, different day? got up today, what are you going to do? Well, probably the same thing I did yesterday. We answer the question, how are you doing? Well, I'm busy. Well, what have you accomplished? I don't have any idea. Nothing. How often do we forget simple things? And how often do we forget that we are in this world, but we're not of this world? And that's our problem this morning. Our problem is forgetfulness. It's very simple. Our, our, our problem is forgetfulness. We forget that we as Christians are the people of God. We forget that we don't have to go flying by with the time. We don't have to go through the motions, that we have some meaning in life, that we have some purpose beyond ourselves. And God's solution is simple. It's just simple reminders. God's solution to our forgetfulness is reminders. Now, I told you there's no New Testament regulation that we do anything on the new moon. But I believe that the rhythm of life for the Israelites is something we can learn from. I I really believe that. And I understand that this morning, again, I don't want you to walk away with feeling like, well, man, he told us a bunch of stuff we gotta, we have to do. And if I don't do this, then I'm, you know, I'm a sinner and God hates me. And that's not what I'm talking about. There is no regulation this morning that says you must on the new moon or on the first day of the month. September 1st is coming, and you better do this or else. That's not the point. But I do believe, and when I read the Old Testament, I study these festivals and the rhythm of life, the weekly Sabbath, the the monthly new moon, the annual celebrations, the every seven-year sabbatical, the the 50th year of Jubilee, that, that there was a rhythm of life that God provided for them so that they would not forget who He was and they wouldn't forget who they were. So there's no commandment, but but a strong suggestion. How about that? That we live in similar rhythm with the ancient Israelites. Not because we'll obviously be out of God's will if we don't, but it might just keep us from drifting away from Him and going through the motions. 
And so if this morning you say, you know what, I'm drifting and I'm just going through the motions, then I I hope that I've got something for you. So our challenge, our response today is to set a monthly reminder to return to the truth, to interrupt your drifting, and, and ultimately our response is to take time to celebrate and remember that you belong to Jesus. Take the time to celebrate and remember that you belong to Jesus. Just like the Israelites were to pause every month and say, we belong to God, and so we will celebrate, and we will mark time, and we will give, and we will look back, and we will look forward under the context that we belong to God. Let me challenge you to do the same. Four things that I I want to, to remind us of based upon this scripture in Numbers chapter 28 and the whole idea of the New Moon Festival. First of all, my time is His. I think this will be fairly comprehensive for our lives. The new moon was a, was a monthly reminder. It started a new month. It's this marker of time. And, and so if, if we, following that kind of rhythm, would pause, just say on the first of the month, similar to the new moon, and say, you know what, Lord, my time is yours. What I'm going to do is yours. I wonder, how would you plan your time accordingly? If you knew that it belonged to God himself, if you knew that your time was on loan from him, How would you plan each month according to those kinds of principles? I guarantee you wouldn't just go through the motions. You'd be reminded that, you know what, not only am I accountable for my time, but my time is a gift from God. I'm going to use it wisely. My time is His. And so as a result, how you approach work changes, doesn't it? No longer you just punch a clock. There's greater meaning behind it. There's greater importance behind what you do on a daily basis. You know why? Because there are people there. There are people affected by what you do and how you do it. Your time at work matters. Young folks, your time at school matters. I was always cynical about my college baseball coach's five-minute speech, but he's right. And five minutes ago, I was a third grader somewhere. Not so much anymore. Young folks, let me encourage you, make the most of the time that God has given you while you're young. Youth is wasted on the young, isn't it? The energy of the youth is wasted because you get to a little bit down the road and you don't have that energy. And then finally you realize, man, I missed it. I wish I'd have done this and that. And that's not cliche. That's reality for so many of us, isn't it? Young people, let me encourage you, give all that you have to the Lord right now. I mean, every waking hour that you can, live it with the awareness of His presence in your life. And I truly mean that. I don't mean that as a guy looking back and saying, well, don't make the mistake I did. That's not what I'm saying. God has given you precious time right where you are. Don't constantly look past it by saying, one day, someday, I hope when I get to this point or whatever. Truth is, we have a limited amount of time. Psalm chapter 90 puts it this way. Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Ain't that encouraging? Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Teach us, it says in Psalm 90 verse 12, to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 5 puts it this way in verse 15, verse 16 and 17. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You have a limited amount of time. You have a finite earthly life. If you viewed your time as belonging to Jesus, how would it change what your plans were for next month? 
How would it change on September 1st, which you said, you know what, September is going to be about this. I will spend my time doing these things and those things based upon the fact that it belongs to Jesus and I'm a steward of that time. Secondly, my money is His. A good thing for you is we're getting close to the end of the sermon, so you, you're going to escape some of this money talk, all right? When God regulated the New Moon Festival for the Israelites, He called for large sacrifices. All the people contributing a large sacrifice. Now, there were times when that New Moon Festival hit when there was a surplus and an abundance for them, and times when there wasn't that. They didn't have the, the bank that they could just go and make a withdrawal from. They, they had their crops and they would barter back and forth and they had their animals and so on. And so that was the value of their possession. That's what they had. And yet they were called to be generous even during those times. Their money or stuff, if you will, belonged to God. And God made no bones about it. He had no apology for saying, you will sacrifice these things. You will give to me, he said. God had no problem with that. And I'll just tell you, as as someone who stands on behalf of the Lord to present his word to you in a good way, I don't have any problem. And I certainly, based upon God's word, don't feel as if I need to or that you should want me to make any apology for telling us how to handle money God's way. Money is huge in importance to us, is it not? And if we want to make it count, if we want to do what's right with it, then maybe we should consider what God has to say. I wonder how would you steward God's money every month if you realized that it all belonged to Him in the first place? It's not just another paycheck. It's a gift from God. It's a responsibility from God and a responsibility to God. The Israelites were called to give, and so maybe as you look at what God's Word says, He says, you know what, earn it. Give it, spend it wisely, be as generous as you possibly can, support the work of the Lord, don't hold tightly to your possessions because one day they'll be gone. My money is His. How would we operate if every month we sat down and we budgeted accordingly? And we said, this belongs to the Lord. It's not mine. Does that mean you can't enjoy it? No, I don't believe so. I believe there are times the Lord says, hey, you know what, enjoy it. No problem. But does it change our outlook? Does it change our view of money? Does money no longer hold us, but but we then just let it go? And we say, Lord, it's all yours. I believe so. Thirdly, my time, not my, first my time, second my money. Thirdly, my past is his. At every new moon, the marker of a new month, they, they would look back and, and that new moon would remind them another month has passed. And so as they look back over the last month since that other new moon, and now they're at this this other one, they were able to look back and say, what has God done? What have we done? And there was a sin offering that was presented each month. Now I'm going to get into the idea that we don't have to continually uh, be resaved again, if you will. Jesus did it once and for all. The Israelite sacrificial system was really kind of a shadow of what was to come. And it was obvious to them that these sacrifices that were needed over and over and over and over and over again meant that that it wasn't complete. It it wasn't a once and for all thing, and Jesus became that. But I think there's something interesting about the fact that this sin offering was given once a month. Why? Because since the last new moon, what had they done? They'd sinned. They had things that needed to be confessed. And let me encourage you, 
since your past belongs to Jesus, just as you look back like the Israelites did, maybe each month you'd look back and say, Lord Jesus, this past month has belonged to you. And Lord, I realize maybe there's some things I need to confess. And so, Lord, I'm going to confess my sins according to the fact that my past belongs to you. But do you know what that means? It doesn't mean that you go cap in hand to the Lord and you say, God, I don't know if it's too much trouble, but I'd sure like to be forgiven of this. Lord, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I did some stuff. And I said some things. And I thought some things. And they're probably not good. So, Lord, if you wouldn't mind, if it's not too much trouble, 